1: grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Fear Not, as today Sean tells the classic David and Goliath story, which was a pretty scary day for some, unless you have a helper like the Lord. So what's your Goliath right now? Listen in and start looking for some good stones. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today, is part two of the message called The Fear That Killed a King. It's in the series called Fear Not. Pastor Sean is in 1 Samuel 15 and all over the Psalms. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Tries to put his armor on David, doesn't fit. It's hanging down and, the, you know, every, the sword's too big. He says, I can't fight with these. And so you, you know, if you know the story, you know what David does. He gets rid of Saul's armor. Can't fight in Saul's armor. And he takes his sling that he used as a shepherd. And he goes down to a brook and gets five sm- smooth stones. And he steps out onto the battlefield to fight the giant. Now, it's interesting. Goliath looks at David. And we're told, he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health. In other words, the, the, the word that the other translations use, he's ruddy, like rosy-cheeked. That's what it means. He was rosy-cheeked and handsome. That's what the word says. And, and Goliath despised him, not because he was an enemy, not because he was afraid of him, but he literally says to David, am, am I a dog? I can almost see him, he says it to David, I can almost see him looking over at Saul. Am I a dog? You send a kid out here to chase me off with sticks and rocks? Are you serious? He's insulted. And so he turns to David and says, and and he says the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. But That's all David needed to hear. When he cursed him by his gods, something rose up in David. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses, not just of you, but of the whole Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It's pretty good for a kid. Of course, what happened next is one of the most well-known military battles and victories in history. With just a sling and a stone, the giant is defeated, then beheaded, and a king is born. Stop and think about this. By that time, his brother had criticized him. The king had misjudged him, didn't believe in him. An army had left him, hang, hung him out to dry and abandoned him. A giant threatened him. And you want to know what the worst part is? Listen, and I want you to hear this. No one took him seriously. In this whole story, no one took him seriously. The story even starts when Samuel goes to Jesse's house. you remember how the story is? David didn't just become king because of this. He was anointed king. Samuel the prophet goes to Jesse's house. God told me one of your sons is going to be king. So he brings all the boys out, the oldest one. He, and Samuel looks at him. He's tall. He's strong. Oh, surely this is, that's Eliab, who we heard from a few minutes ago. And God says, yeah, I don't look at his height or stature or whatever, whatever. I've rejected him. And he gives these words. See, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And he goes through all the brothers. And and it's like, Samuel's like, wait a minute, I know God told me to come here, but none of these is it. Do you have any more sons? And li- literally, Jesse, this is David's dad. Jesse goes, well, there's David. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but he's a kid and he's out watching. Samuel goes, I'm not leaving until I see him. And the minute he comes in, rosy-cheeked, Handsome, sweaty, smelling like sheep. He comes in, and God says, That's my boy. <laughs> That's the man after God's own heart. He'll be a man soon. <laughs> That's the kid after God's own heart. And he anoints him right there. But when you think about it, his dad didn't believe in him, didn't take him seriously. His brother certainly didn't take him seriously when he went to the battlefront. Saul didn't take him seriously. His enemy, the giant, didn't even take him seriously. But what's interesting about David, and this is so important David didn't see this as a strategy problem, a skill problem, or a military problem. David saw it as a theological problem. And he reveals his thinking in Psalm 27. David wrote these words Psalm 27, 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, that word devour can be translated slander. It's Sometimes in Scripture it's devour or slander. Think about that. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Now, why is he confident? I love that phrase, I will be confident, no matter what comes against me. Why? Because of what he wrote in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid See, this is such a timely word for us. This last year has been, has been kind of, it's like it all went into hyperdrive or everything on steroids, this fear. We live in an unbelievably fearful, timid, and insecure culture. I really want you to hear this because it's like the culture of our world right now. Fear. Fear, timidity, insecurity. I mean, on, on whatever level you want to think about, Even on the international stage, the U.S. tends to be obsessed with our image. What do other people around the world think of us? Rather than, is what we're doing right or wrong? I am stunned by how insecure so many of us are. And I think David gives us a secret to confidence. If you're taking notes, write this down. The antidote to the fear of man is confidence in the sovereignty of God. That's the antidote. The antidote to the fear of man, the fear of people, what they think, what they can do, is to have confidence in the sovereignty of God. That's what it is. It is confidence in the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, it means God is king, and he is king over all. It means he is on the throne, and his plan will prevail. I've had preachers, when talking about the book of Revelation, suggest I go to the end of my Bible, and I actually have Bibles that I did this in, and write the words, we win. In the whole scheme of things, God rules, God wins. And we need to understand, David lived with that understanding. God is king. He has no equal There is no balance. It's not like there's a good force, bad force, don't know which one's gonna win. No, no, he is God, he is sovereign, he is king. He wins. And we need to understand that's what David had, not just in his head, but it was his worldview. It's how he looked at the world. And it gave him a confidence that was somewhat even disconcerting to some people but it was absolutely beautiful and sweet to God. See, we need to understand this. God is sovereign, he is king. I don't care whether you love our current president or you can't stand him, doesn't matter. Whether you wanna deify him or crucify him, you're approaching this all wrong either way because understand something, he's just a man, he's a sinner and one day he and his government will be gone just like all the previous presidents and their governments and all the future presidents and their governments. They're not sovereign. They're in power for a time. God allows it. That's fine. But we act like they're sovereign, and they're not. God alone is sovereign. Let me just say, if you wrestle with the fear of man, if this is something that you struggle with, fear of people, what they think of you, their opinions, you wrestle with this fear, I want to suggest your estimation of people is far too great and your estimation of God is far too small. When we find ourselves overcome by this fear and being paralyzed, because that's what fear does, it paralyzes us. When we find ourselves being paralyzed by this fear, just be rest assured, my estimation of people is far too great, and my estimate, estimation of my God is far too small. Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, there's that word again, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Some of you, that's a word from the Lord for you this morning. What can man do to me? See, true confidence is not self-confidence. It's God-confidence. David wasn't self-confident. We think of self-confidence. We're not talking about self-confidence here. We are talking about God-confidence, and it's totally different. It recognizes there is something bigger. There is someone bigger, and he is on the throne, and he is exalted. And as I walk in obedience, he is with me, and that changes everything. Let me real quickly this morning give you three keys to building confidence in the sovereignty of God. The first one is learn to love the approval of God more than the approval of other people. Ooh, now he's meddling. That was just offsides. Learn to love the approval of God more than the approval of other people. And this is, this is really very practical and good news because here's the problem. The approval of people is fickle. One day they might approve of you and the next day they won't. Some person, one person might approve of you because you're useful to them today and then tomorrow they won't because you're not useful anymore. You better get used to this. Let me just tell you, as a pastor I've had to get used to this and when you're a pastor and you're in front of people and you're leading and there's a whole bunch of people and they all have investment in the, in the community and all this stuff, sometimes something you do will make a lot of them happy. Great. Enjoy it. Because those same people next week might be upset about something different you do, a decision you make, a message you preach, a hire you make, whatever it is. It's just the way it is. And you need to know, if there's people approving of you for something you've done, mark my words, there's someone else who is not approving of it. They may not be saying it to you right then, but there is because the approval of people is fickle. And if you spend your life jumping through hoops to try to please people, you're going to frustrate yourself. You're going to wear yourself out. See, we need to focus more on the approval of God because His approval is not fickle.
1: Hey, let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Fear That Killed a King. It's in the series called Fear Not, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Zara. Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit filled life.
2: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the spirit.
1: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit Filled Life by Sean Azzaro today at Amazon or Reaching for Life.org. And now the conclusion to the message The Fear That Killed a King. This is reaching for real-life radio.
2: First Samuel 15:22, Samuel replied, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey Him is better than sacrifice, and heed is better than the fat of ram." See, here's the deal: God wants to give you the life He created for you. See, when you learn to trust him and know how much He loves you and how much He created you for a life abundant. When you all of a sudden understand that and you understand that he is God and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's not fickle, you will begin to do what has been called dancing for an audience of one. Dance for an audience of one. That's it. And some people might love that dance. Great. Wonderful. Others might hate it. Oh, well, sorry. Sorry. I'm dancing for an audience of one because He is my Father. He is my Lord. He is faithful. He is eternal. He is true. He loves me. He created me for life. He is giving me life. When you understand this and you stop trying to live for the approval of other people, man, all of a sudden you have just been set free. This is like you were in a prison and you've just been freed. It's a gift. See the antidote to the fear of man is confidence in the sovereignty of God. Learn to dance for an audience of one. Second thing: live to seek the glory of God more than your own glory. Ooh, it continues to be kind of sides. See, for Saul, it was all about how he appeared to people, how people thought of him. Samuel, come back with me. Just honor me before the people, even in being told you're going to lose your kingdom. I know, I know, but honor me in front of the people one more time. Do you know how messed up that is? Seek the glory of God. Live to seek the glory of God more than your own glory. See, David had a passion for the glory of God. That's why he was indignant. Goliath wasn't insulting David. David didn't care about him. Goliath was insulting God, the God of Israel. And David's like, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to stand by for that. You see, David didn't care what people thought of him, whether it was his older brother, whether it was Goliath, whether it was Saul. He didn't care. And he kind of lived his life that way. See, the minute we can get to that place, understand it's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about my glory. It's not about me. It's not about what people think of me. This is really good news, and it's very freeing. But I don't try to focus on my own glory. I've been amazed how many people, their whole goal, and with social media, we all have a platform. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be famous. Remember a young man who told me what what he wanted to do with his life. He wants to be rich and famous. I said, well, here's the problem. People get rich doing something, and they become famous for something. How about focus on that? Just do that really well. And let the money and the whatever... No, right. let it worry about itself. Don't, don't worry about that. Just be really good. And, and this is a secret, by the way. If you, if you want a, a secret kind of in life, just stick with something for long enough. Other people drop out, go on moving other things. Eventually you grow old doing it. You just become the expert. You're just the old guy who's been doing it longer than other people. It really works. Really, that's where experts come from. They've just been doing it a long time. They just outlasted everybody else and kind of they're still around. Okay, I guess that's the expert. So just do what God's put before you to do. Do it for his glory. Do you realize how freeing that is? When we work for the glory of God because what it does is it frees us from people pleasing. And that is huge. It's such a prison. And when I just say, you know what? I don't care. And, and you guys, you guys need to know. This is something I talk to other pastors about. I talk to musicians about. When people come into a room and they put you on an elevated platform and shine lights on you and kind of hang on, on to what you're saying, that's a heady thing. And you better be aware of how much that can mess you up if you're not really careful, if you're not listening to the Lord, if you don't have good people around you to remind you that you're not all that, you're just you. They love you, do it in love, you know, want brutal, you know. I've had to tell our elders that. Take it easy. <laughs> No, but you, you, you have to understand. I know it's it's easier to see and it's better for focus and teaching and you know, college platforms and all that, it's great. But understand that those things can go to your head and make it all about your glory and about your fame and about your name and your recognition. That's my challenging platform. What's yours? Is it a particular office? Corner office? Is it a title? Is it a set amount of money? When I get this much, then I'll be top dog. We all have them, those dangerous places, that if we're not careful, we can be about our glory instead of his glory. When all of a sudden we say, I'm gonna be about the glory of the Lord, and we stop worrying about our glory, it it is so freeing. And it's not that it's not a struggle, because our flesh will always scream for our own recognition, our own glory. Don't be deceived about that. Don't In any way, be naive. Your flesh wants to be recognized, known, and exalted, but when you your spirit and God's spirit gets the victory over that, and you can make it about him and not about you, it's an amazingly freeing kind of thing. The antidote to the fear of man is confidence in the sovereignty of God. One last key as I close, and this is so important. I want you to hear this. This may be the most important thing that we say today. Let the fear of God set you free from the fear of man. Let the fear of God set you free from the fear of man. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I love that word. I love that he says encamps. It's not just a visit. He doesn't just do the swing by. Okay? No, he lives there. For those who fear him, the fear of the Lord, God's presence is there. Psalm 34, 9, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. He provides everything you need to those who fear the Lord. Psalm 85, 9, surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. The fear of the Lord is a gift. I have to say what the fear of God is not, because this is where people get confused. The fear of the Lord is not a groveling fear of a fickle and unpredictable deity. I've compared it before to the child of an alcoholic parent who is afraid because when her parent drinks, they, they do hurtful things, and they're, it's unpredictable, and it's chaos. That's not fear of the Lord. No, fear of the Lord is completely different. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Think of those words, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. See, the fear of the Lord knows God and knows he is different. God is different. There is none other like him. He is one of a kind. He is above all else. He is creator without beginning or end. He is all-powerful. He is the sovereign king of all things. The creator. That's who God is. And the fear of God recognizes what we sometimes call the otherness of God. He's not like us. And so when I approach him, I approach him in reverence and awe of who he is. That's the fear of God. And what's funny is it's been called the fear to end all fears. See, remember what Romans 8.31 says? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, you want to know how God is, you want to know how to make sure God is for you, be for Him. Be for Him. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's such a powerful and simple understanding. That's the reality that David lived in. See, what you fear becomes what you serve. And as such, it's an idol. And I can't tell you how many people I see a life of serving their fears, they just serve their fears. Everything is about my fears. I'm completely compelled and driven by my fears. I become controlling. I become cutting. I become withdrawn, isolated. My fears. That's idolatry. See, what David understood and walked in and all the great people of faith have understood this the antidote to the fear of man is confidence in the sovereignty of God. And I want that for all of us because we live in a culture that is overrun by the fear of man. It is overrun. And Christians, we've got to stop. We've got to say no. We've got to stop. We've got to stop being afraid of people. That doesn't mean be disrespectful, that doesn't mean don't love people, don't care for people, it just means don't be afraid. And live for the approval of one. Dance for an audience of one. Live for his glory. And let the chips fall where they may. If other people don't like it, I'm sorry. You're not my Lord, he is. And I want to love people, I want to serve people, I want to do everything that God gives me to do for people. But I don't do it at their time demands when they say it should be done and how they say it should be done I do it according to the word of the Lord and that's different
1: that's Pastor Sean Azaro. you've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio and if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called Fear Not it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org and we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page or even better your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue Find the donate tab at reachingforreallife.org